0: everyone welcome to another episode of credit unions coffee and conversation if this is your first episode welcome thank you for joining us I encourage you to check out some of our older podcasts. We have some awesome guests that I'm sure you'll enjoy learning from and hearing from. We have great topics that we cover during these podcasts. We get to know some of our credit union leaders on a personal basis. I'm sure you'll learn some things about them that you didn't know before. Also some tricks of the trade, some advice and guidance on people that have been in the industry for quite some time. So please check those out. If this is not your first time joining us, welcome back. So today's episode, we're really excited to have with us the president and CEO of True Community Credit Union, Chrissy Siders. Uh, Chrissy's credit union is based in Jackson, has over 680 million in assets, with over 62,000 members. The purpose listed on Chrissy's credit union's website says to inspire the pursuit of a life well lived. That is the purpose of True Community Credit Unit. It's a great purpose. I plan to explore that with Chrissy along with many other topics. So, welcome and enjoy. Well, hi, Chrissy. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. It's great to have you. Thanks for having me as a lot of people know, listening, you know, you're part of our MCUL family in that you're an alternate director on our board and have been very active in your chapter. And I'm thrilled to have you on the board um, because you just have so much energy and ideas and um, you're never shy to speak up. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, not a problem of mine to speak up. <laughs> we all love that. Okay, so let's get rolling. And um, I, I like to start out by just asking uh, the guests to tell us their story.
1: Oh, yeah. So, uh, well, let's see. Um, I was actually adopted uh, at the age of six weeks old. Um, That's a long story that's way too long for this podcast, but it's an awesome story as well as I kind of went on the discovery of finding out who I was, Um, but pretty much raised in in Jackson County my entire life. So I've been here a long time. Uh, I met my husband in high school. So we started dating when I was 15 and he was 16. And next year will be our 25-year wedding anniversary. So I'm super excited about that. Uh, We have two daughters. Uh, They are 20 and 18, which has been uh, just a blessing to us. But we're actually newly empty nesters, which is amazing um, yeah. don't let my kids hear that <laughs> okay. part of the podcast but it's amazing um and uh and and you know we just uh we really enjoy uh spending time uh you know uh leaning into the community pouring into each other and and just kind of living life um, as intentionally as we can uh, i've been with the credit union for 23 years it'll be 24 years uh next year Uh, I started when I was 10. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, I I started much older than that. But I started as a part-time teller. Uh, I was going to school at Michigan State University, go green. Uh, And I, uh, my husband and I had newly moved back to the Jackson area from, I had been living in East Lansing and a friend said, hey, there's this credit union I'm working at. Why don't you come, you know, get a part-time job here. Little did I know uh, what that would end up for for my life and my career, but uh, worked as a part-time teller for about six months, uh, then worked in a um, what used to be called the proof department. That tells you how old I am and that I did not start when I was 10, uh, <laughs> back when we had the proof departments. Um, then I worked in accounting for a little bit. And then when I actually graduated from college, uh, I was offered a position of compliance officer and that was in, uh, 1999 when really when compliance was starting to become a thing, you know, for, for credit unions. And so, uh, I took that position and molded it over time into an audit compliance, security fraud, you know, a whole kind of, um, structure there and ultimately became the director of risk management, the vice president of risk management, and then, um, right before I became CEO, I was the vice president of risk management and specialized lending uh, because we had some, uh, some other VPs who left and uh, John, the CEO at the time uh, asked me to take business lending, mortgage lending and collections. And so I had a great opportunity to have some experience there. And then in 2017 became CEO. So it'll have been five years that I've been CEO uh, come January, which is crazy
0: to me. That is crazy. Well, yeah that's awesome and i can unpack so many things that you just talked about but then we would never move on because i love to be <laughs> right. talking to you but just i what i think is so cool about you is uh, it, it maybe you're not but maybe initially some folks when you walk into the room might underestimate you because of your age and i have faced that um, you know, when I was practicing law, sometimes I would Mm -hmm. walk into a courtroom or into a conference room and, you know, people would be surprised to see that I was the one leading, leading this charge on our side, for example. And they'd say, oh, you know, you're younger or whatever. Um, And, and, and for you, especially, I mean, just people have no clue looking at you, the wealth of mm-hmm. experience that you have already, just because you started so early in the industry and um, and not to mention, but all of the different areas in the credit union that you've touched and worked on, which I love to hear when we talk to CEOs that started as a teller, because those are the folks that really got to work in every area as they evolved up the ladder. And I just think that makes people such better leaders to really understand what your team's actually day-to-day life is.
1: Yeah, I actually think that was my... maybe the piece that ultimately made me kind of stand out amongst the other people that were applying for the CEO position. Yeah. If you have a role in risk management and compliance, yeah. you cover the entire organization right. and you actually have the responsibility to figure out how to do business while taking risk and managing it and mitigating it effectively. And if you can figure that out, you can really grow a business. And yeah. I do think that, that that is a big a big factor. Yeah, uh, But you're absolutely right. I walk into rooms all the time and people, if I could tell you how many times people say to me, oh my gosh, you're, you're 44 years old. Um, or it's usually when people ask me if I have children and I tell them I have a 20 year old and an 18 yeah. year old and one getting married. Uh, they say that's absolutely not possible. Um, it doesn't help that I'm five foot one. So I look like I'm 10, um, but I, I get that a lot. And, you know, a lot of times I'm walking into a room with um, either uh, more seasoned, you yeah. know, uh, CEOs, um, whether it be in age or whether it be an experience. But I don't think that negates the fact that I love and know the industry very well.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, you should wear like pigtails next time and see. What oh, my happens.
1: gosh. That would be hilarious. <laughs> That's, well,
0: yeah, well, I was I'm, I'm shocked too, um, to, you know, when I first met you to hear, you know, about your daughters. And I think one of the things that I will take from your personal story is that you um, you know, one of the pros, I didn't do this, but you did it to having kids early is when you are empty nesters, you're 44 and you yeah. have this whole great life ahead. And you're at the point in your lives where you're financially able to enjoy it mm-hmm. and physically able to enjoy it. And that's just, that's like the dream that so many people strive for Chrissy and you and Eric made it. That's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think there are two
1: schools, right? Some people enjoyed the before and kids and some people enjoy the after for yeah. me the big point now I we had kids young because my mom became very sick um, mm-hmm. when in 1998 and we didn't want her to miss out on some grandkids and so um, you know, we had a very specific reason but I'm so thankful for it because ultimately now like you said we have the means to you know give back to our community and time and energy and money as well and we wouldn't have necessarily been able to do that had we waited. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: All right. Well, digging in a little bit to True Community, um, I do want to talk about the person mission, but I think I just have to start off with the biggest thing that, I mean, not to mention, were you navigating COVID like every other credit union and every other business um, over the last year and a half? But what you guys went through at the credit union with your charter conversion, your name change, and then your huge merger at the beginning Mm -hmm. of this year. Um, how are you doing with all of that? How are things settling in? I love the name true community, but just kind of give the listeners an understanding of how enormous those things are and, and, and maybe the why behind it and, and how things are going for you now that you have the full state of Michigan. Yeah,
1: I think that uh, what's so interesting about that is it is directly tied to our purpose, mission, vision and values, those strategies. So yeah, last year, of course, we had no idea, you know, that a pandemic was coming, but we had some pretty key strategies, you know, uh, ready to roll, and uh, we just couldn't pull them back, it wouldn't have been smart, we needed to dig deep down into our resiliency, and and figure out how to do that. Uh, So we did change charters to have the whole entire state of Michigan, which was awesome. We had a relatively smaller charter, not smaller, but limited charter um, before, uh, which caused us to change our name from CP Federal to CP Financial. Then we had the merger that was kind of in the hopper as well. And that is what we finished out the year with, merged on January 1, and then changed our name to True Community Credit Union. And I can't take Credit for the name, um, I absolutely adore it. I, I love it, uh, but it really came from Jason Matley, the CEO of Washington Federal, who merged into us. Uh, one of our early on meetings, you know, as we were, we joke, you know, it's like it's like a courtship, right? Um, when you're when you're going through a merger, and one of our early meetings, we talked about that, and and he had kind of tossed it out, and I ran it past my leadership team. And, and we had some good conversation, but man, it is directly aligned with our purpose, mission, vision, and values. So uh, we, we believe in it quite a bit, but our employees are tired. You know, there's, there's yeah. no doubt about that. You know, the pandemic has led to just this COVID fatigue, um, that people are just saying, when will it end? Um, yeah. you know, we have a hard time staffing, um, you know, cause if you look at someone who sneezes, you've got a quarantine for 10 days, yeah. um, you know, just there's, there's just, and then there, there's just the social and political exhaustion that is going on in our world today. And so, right. you know, that directly links into our values that we have very, eight very different values. And one of them is making joy common in uncommon places. And Right now we're doing our best um, to do that because joy is very uncommon today um, as as we stand, yeah.
0: Yeah, it is. Well, you'll be experiencing that and I'm sure sharing it with your team next month when your daughter gets married.
1: Yes, absolutely. Super excited for that.
0: (laughs) And you can't see Christy, but a huge smile just came on her face when I said it. Yes, yes, yes. So that's one of the things I did want to talk to you about and dig into a little bit more because, you know, I, I try and, and research, you know, some credit unions in a way I hadn't before when um, somebody's coming on the podcast and just looking at the purpose. And first off, I love how your purpose, mission and vision, they're all short, right? Because that's what they mm-hmm. say. They should be short, clear to the point. You should be able to fit it on a T-shirt. And when <laughs> I look at um, True Community's purpose, which is to inspire the pursuit of a life well-lived. I just really, I read that like four times and it just, and even as I say it now, it just gives me goosebumps because it's such a great way of saying the purpose. And, and so what does that mean to you, Chrissy at the credit union into to true community, that purpose?
1: Yeah. You know, I think everyone, the, the way that that came about was really cool. So we used to have a purpose or a mission of to be your primary financial institution. And that was what we had when I became CEO. And I was like, uh, like, right. That's yeah. just and like everybody wants you to be their primary financial institution. That is not what we were actually, you know, put here to do. Um, And so, you know, I kind of penned kind of a purpose mission vision values that I thought we should, we should start with. And then we layered the next, the senior leadership into it, and then the level of leadership. And then we took it to our entire organization and we said, you know, This is where we're at. What do you think? And so everybody had an opportunity to say, this is what I'm here for, right? This, and we have statements that actually say like, this is what I'm promising to do as a result of our purpose, mission, vision, and values. And so for us, it was, I think, a, a realization that we are here for such a short period of time, but we have this amazing opportunity inside of the work that we get to do every day to actually inspire people to help them live a better life. And the mission is my absolute favorite. You know, I like the purpose. I love it, but I I extra love the mission, you know, which is to cultivate legacy defining moments for the people and places that we serve for generations to come. And the reason why I love that one so much is because uh, we, our industry is so special in that it has the opportunity to attach to people from birth to death right? You think about these legacy defining moments. When we had our girls, we opened up accounts for the credit union, right? They joined our financial education program and they worked for the credit union, you know, yes. uh, in fifth grade, right. you know, they move on to middle school and high school and they're getting their first jobs and their first debit cards and their first checking accounts. Then my oldest, right. She moves out, she gets her own car. She actually just bought a house. Um, she's getting married. Um, you know, we have a product and service, for every single legacy defining moment, um, all the way up, you know, to death. And, and I, I mentioned my mom and, and how she'd gotten sick and she passed away in 2014. But the really neat thing about that is the credit union was uh, able to come alongside me and help me close out that chapter of my mom's life. And uh, mm-hmm. there is not an industry really that can touch from birth to death like the credit union industry can do.
0: Right, that's awesome. And, and just the personal connection that people have with their credit union, and and to just be that partner for them. And, and I think that's so spot on for you to say you can't be everything for everybody all of the time, but to focus on, you know, just helping somebody build a legacy and, and one of the feedback um, comments that we got on a recent survey we did is is really when they're looking at our cooperative advertising, for example, is is to focus on you know people that are really young, you know, not just kids. I know people talk about kids accounts and things like that, but just building that. And if you can be a partner with somebody throughout their entire life up until the very end, um, what a great mission that is, you know, and and. Um, you're clearly living that in, in your excitement for that and, and the commitment that you all have to your members because I know you have over 62,000 of them now. <laughs> so you yeah, have a lot of yeah. potential legacies to impact there, which is phenomenal. Um, yeah. And I think the other thing about that too is we're not just talking about the good moments. I named a
1: bunch of awesome moments, yeah. right. Um, we have members who unfortunately struggle financially. We yeah. have members who you know have to file bankruptcy. Um, we have one you know ones that uh, go delinquent on their loans, or they need uh, help, you know, a fresh restart, you know, those types of things. We have people who are at risk of losing their homes. um, And we make sure that we have a product and service line that crosses the good and the bad to ultimately end with that purpose of some level of inspiration at the end of it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And helping them through those difficult times is is awesome. Um, and then, you know, like you said at the start, you know, your experience in working in the collection group at your credit in the collection mm-hmm. area, you know, you, you understand, you know, what these people are going through even more. And, um, and that makes you such a better leader to think about, you know, how best that your team should be serving those folks during these crazy times, especially now with COVID and so much crazy scariness happening. Um, so I know you mentioned, and this is something that I feel like I talked to everybody about, but it is something that people are interested in hearing how other credit unions are tackling that. And that is staffing because across across all industries, there, there's struggle with staffing. And there's occasionally a credit union I talk to that isn't, but it, they're rare. Um, so how are you, you know, working through your strategy or what is your strategy at the credit union to kind of, you know, get people to come on board and to stay, to really retain them and and to get them to come over? Because as we're learning, it's more than just the hourly rate, Right. Oh, absolutely. You know, we
1: um, always have a strategy as it relates to employee engagement. Um, It's never, it's never not part of our strategic plan. Uh, And so, you know, I would say, you know, if you were to look at the raw numbers from a staffing perspective, we're staffed, you know, we've been able to grow and still be able to add people to the credit union. Um, The problem is that when we're living in this COVID environment, um, it's, it just creates this oddity of, quarantining and isolation and quite honestly, fear, you know, from some people and just um, whatever this new normal is. And so, you know, for us, we've got to be willing to be flexible and hope that our members give us some grace and mercy along the way. So Mm -hmm. if we have to close a branch on the inside, we will, and we'll run only a drive-through, you know, before COVID, we never would have done that. You know, we would have figured out how to make it happen. And so that's a little bit, I think of a positive that's maybe come from COVID as well. Um, From an employee engagement perspective, you know, we work. Hard to survey the employees and understand where we're not um, not living up to their expectations. We also, though, believe in leaning into accountability and saying, "Listen, this is the organization that we're going to be." For some people, that fits. For some people, it doesn't. But we're committed to being transparent in what the future of True looks like for people, so that they know and they don't waste a lot of time at True if it's not ultimately you know where they they want to be. And so we have a value of two-way feedback, um, you know, and we say it's graciously welcomed when respectfully given. Um, right. And so, you know, as long as people are giving feedback respectfully, you know, I have employees who come into my office and say, "Hey, Chrissy, I think you dropped the ball on this one. I think you missed this one," you know. And as long as it's said respectfully, and I welcome it, and then I figure out how do I make some change. Um, mm-hmm. So we're trying our hardest. We're actually giving our employees a mental health day on October 11th. Um, so Monday, we normally would close for uh, an all-day training, we don't think it's responsible or smart to put all 200 of our employees in a room together. Right. Uh, and so uh, we actually said, well, what do we do? Do we stay open? You know, what, what do we do? And we said, you know what, our employees need a mental health day. That's and cool. so we've actually, we're delivering some really cool packages to them um, that should be coming in the next couple of days and told them, you know, do whatever it is that you need to do to relax, to unwind, to invest in something, to to inspire yourself, What or if you just need to literally sit on the couch and watch Netflix, do it. Right. You yeah. know, um, we need you to reset because we need you to dig deep into your resiliency because Tuesday's going to come and it's still <laughs> yeah. going to be a tough job, you know? Um, and, and members, quite honestly, people aren't themselves These days, you know, uh, we've got some members that are just, um, an employee of mine used the word agitated the other day, and I was like, that is a perfect word. You Mm -hmm. know, people are agitated today. Um, And so, you know, that um, can make the job not as joyful as we would love for it to be. So we just actively lean into that engagement space.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think some of the businesses, you see it a lot in the fast food industry or A restaurant space. I've seen it more, Um, you know, some comments like a a posted um, statement that says, Mm -hmm. please be kind to the employees that showed up today, you know, and I think across the board. So it's unfortunate that some of your members are agitated because my I, I feel for myself. I am changing my mindset when I sit in a restaurant. I am mm-hmm. graciously understanding why it's taking, and this is almost every restaurant I go to now. It takes longer for them to take your order. It, it takes longer yes. to get food. It takes longer to get your bill because they're so short staffed. And I tell you what, if we beat up the people that do show up, we're not going to have, mm. no one's going to work there anymore. If exactly. it becomes such a miserable place, you know? Yeah. So I, I hope that more and more people that are, customers and our members can adopt that mindset of we're short-staffed, you know, whether it be because it's just a tough job market or we have sick team members or whatever, but give us a break, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think visually when I see those signs, it does remind me, okay, Patty, you know, it's, it's a different world. There's not enough people. You know, um, you're going to sit and drive through for your, you know, egg McMuffin for 20 minutes, you know, a lot Mm -hmm. of the time, and it's just Mm -hmm. the reality. And I hope more and more people can, can adapt that and to give some grace to the people that are doing the hard jobs and doing the Mm -hmm. best they can. Um,
1: Yeah. You You know, I think that it's really been, it's been a test for many people of where they stand from a resiliency, anxiety, depression joy, like you name yeah. it, right? Mm-hmm. People have had to do, you said, you know, I, I kind of am, am reflecting when I'm in a, in a store, right? Well, you've got to be able to stop and sit and slow down to be able to do that. Right. And right now with the way that all of the information is coming at us and the fact that it just never seems to end and we get a little bit of good and a little bit of bad, people are getting a real understanding of whether or not they have resiliency whether or not, you know, they might struggle with anxiety or depression, whether or not they're a person who can lean into bringing joy to people. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's going to take us a little bit of time to really understand and recognize, you know, what our role
0: in this new world looks like. Right. Absolutely. And I think it's going to take some time to understand what the full impact of all this has been on people. You know, yeah, you think about it in terms of the students that had to remote learn for a year and a half, what's that going to mean in the long run for them? You know, mm-hmm. it's just, I think they're still, a lot to uncover and You know, but I think the, you know, sticking true to um, the purpose and the mission and the vision that you all have there is, is really what I think is going to help your team kind of get through. And, and you're right, maybe the industry, people are going to evolve and find out it's not for them. I mean, you certainly have heard that happening in the medical community, these nurses that say, I just can't do it. I've changed my mind. This isn't for me anymore. I mean, that's just happening all over the place. And, you know, it's, it's been, it's been a crazy ride and I, I do you know, I think especially because I think all of us saw some light at the end of the tunnel this summer and then we got roped back in with the Delta mm-hmm. variant and it was disheartening <laughs> that we had to go backwards and we're seeing on our HR listserv again, are you guys requiring masks again and mm-hmm. you know all of us starting back up and it's just been it's been a challenge so we um, Well, what, um, so how, Chrissy, do you find time, I think this will be of interest to people that are listening to to you, um, with all of this happening and all of the changes that the credit union's been going through, how do you find time to be strategic as a CEO of the credit union?
1: Well, I don't think you can't be strategic, right? If you're a CEO, like it, it has to be your number one thing. You have to figure out how to do it in a measured approach, you know. Um, And you know, the conversations I've had with my team is, you know, I'm very thoughtful, very prayerful about the things that I say, the decisions I make, the things that we do, and. I, when I am moving us forward on something, it's because I feel very confident in the direction that we're going. I am not a whimsical person who's just gonna, I mean, I've got a lot of energy and I might seem whimsical, but I am not that kind of person when it comes to making decisions. And Every decision that I've made is incredibly thought out. It is aligned with what I believe our purpose, mission, vision, and values are meant to embody. Um, And if I believe strongly in it, then I feel really, really confident convincing people of it. Um, And then the naysayers, I feel even more confident actually stepping into that space with them to just have some good conversation with them about yeah. it. Um, you know, I am not afraid of any conflict or or anything like that. And so um, I've learned, I've flexed some of my decisions. I have moved forward with some of my decisions. Uh, but I mean, let's be real. Our industry is under attack all the time. You know, whether it be the taxation, which to be honest with you, seems so little to me today. Right. When you look at the FinTechs, when you look at, I saw that, you know, US Postal Services now offer check cashing services, right? Like you name all of the things of the competitors that we have the buy now pay later thing all of that we our industry if we don't stay strategic and we don't have our eye on the prize at the end we will not exist if we don't collaborate if we don't grow um, if we don't figure out how to do it more efficiently or better And if we don't get out of our own ways and work collaboratively with our examiners, our auditors to say, no, I can take that risk. And here's why I know I can take that risk, right? Um, And so I I actually think it's my risk management background, you know, that really allows me to really be in that space, even in a chaotic time. Um, I'm also incredibly intentional. I'm just a really intentional person about things. And so whether that be the direction we're going, whether that be recognizing an employee that's struggling with something or you know, to the point of what we just talked about, you know, I wish people were as fired up and intentional about being kind and loving to one another as they are about all of the other political and social stuff that is going Mm -hmm. on. If we just engaged with each other differently, man, man, we would be an even stronger industry and, and really just a stronger community in general.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, so switching gears, and then I'm going to get to my five questions that I ask every guest. But before we jump into that space, I know something that we've been talking about, we featured it at our annual convention, um, is cybersecurity. So this is Mm -hmm. stuff, you know, that we hear from a lot of folks, rightfully so that it keeps CEOs up at night. (laughs) Um, So, you know, how how do you attack, you know, no pun intended, cybersecurity? (laughs) You know, how do you how do you deal with it? You know, I know there's kind of two components. If you think about the cybersecurity of third parties that you work with and and how that can create challenges and, and a lot of hardship for you all, but also any direct attacks directly to the credit union in the cybersecurity space from the professionals we talk to, it's not a matter of if it's just when. And mm-hmm. so, and how do you how do you tackle that, Chrissy?
1: Yeah. You know, again, I think my risk management space um, experience has helped me with this because I used to do the, you know, the cybersecurity self-assessment from the FFIC. So, you know, uh, when you, when you dig in there and you see just what the risks are. It's, it's terrifying. Yeah. Um, I think what's important is a couple of things. I think it's layers of levels, you know, it's, it's making sure that at the contract level, you're actually having the conversations and not just reading a boilerplate contract and saying, no, w- tell me your escalation, tell me your incident response, you know, help me understand your infrastructure, all of that. And then it's putting you know, the dollars and resources into your own system. So whether that's penetration tests, vulnerability assessments, physical site assessments, whatever it is, phishing attacks, right, that we put on our social engineering, on our employees, and having an employee devoted to that as well. And then I think one of the most important things is to this is to your point of it's not, um, it's not if, but it's when um, is employees are going to fail those social engineering tests, they're going to click on the link, they're going to expose your organization. And the important thing to do is to have an accountability layer built in that when the testing happens and people fail, you bring them in and you train them. And then if they fail again, you bring them in, you train them, but you also have a level of accountability there so Mm -hmm. that they then see the same level of concern that you see um, in the risks that are there. And then I think the last thing is, you know, if, there is or when there is some sort of a breach and just be transparent and honest with your membership yeah. here's all that we did here's how we handled it here's where we had a misstep if we have one but here's how we're going to protect you moving forward you know what i i i hate you know how i feel about data breaches right yeah. i'm like a i'm a constant advocate about getting some <laughs> exactly. legislation in place there but one of the things that i've always said is if you look at the different companies that have had their breaches you look at Home Depot. You look at uh, TJX. You look at, uh, you know, uh, Target. Um, you know, we had some payment processors. The one that I think did it the best was Target, and I'm I'm a big Target fan. But yeah. the one that I think did it the best, they notified the public almost immediately. Yeah. And if you go back and you read what their CEO said, he was like, "Listen, we screwed up. You know, we had antiquated encryption technology, or we, you know, we didn't put this in place." And that in and of itself allows you to be human and yeah. for people hopefully to say all right you're on top of it you get it this is part of your industry thank you and move forward those that you know want to hide it or don't want to tell you for 90 days Right. they're not in it for the right, the right reasons.
0: Yeah. Or especially if the letter starts off, we realized, you know, six months ago, <laughs> that yes. so just, yes. you know, it's like, what? Yeah, I, I agree. I hear you on that. And we appreciate your advocacy, Chrissy, and coming to the Hill with us to talk about this. And maybe before you, you and I both retire, we'll move the needle and data security. Oh, that is my an prayer. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't before know. Before I
1: retire, there'll be something.
0: It's a drum that you have to keep beating. And and the same, you know, I, I totally get what you're saying on, on the the huge topics that credit unions are are tackling and, and having to face, you know, with fintechs and and just all that's out there in our space. Um, but the tax status, as you know, is mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those silent ones where you kind of can is. just say, Well, we have that covered. And then, you know, you need to focus on the other stuff. And and that's where I think we come in as the league, is just bringing that first and front center too, because you just, you know, you hear the little, the bankers are never keeping quiet and, and while there might not be any sort of legit Tax threat, you know, then you hear, well, if they're a billion and over, you should tax them, Mm -hmm. you know, all of these little digs that keep coming. So just to be diligent on that and and really where we look to our credit union partners, and and you're definitely one of them when we're out there, you know, talking to lawmakers, just hearing those stories that impact your credit unions is so huge for us. So um, we know that you understand and appreciate the importance of that, and, and it's awesome. So yeah, I
1: think one of the key things before you jump into those, let me just say yeah. one thing about that. I think what's important for us as an industry is we have got to stop blurring the lines between us and other financial institutions. And we need to be really clear about what our differentiating factor is. Right. And as long as we can clearly articulate that and we can show that differentiation. We really have a powerful thing to take to the hill. Um, I think we struggle with that as an, ind- as a, as an overall industry, we struggle with not blurring the lines between us and banks or community banks or fintechs, or, cause we're all competing for the same person. Right. Uh, so that's, that I think will be the key at some point in time.
0: That's awesome. We'll have to tap more into that with you. Um, yeah going forward because i'm anxious to hear more of your thoughts in that space um so for the purposes of time consolidation on our podcast i am going to jump into these five quick questions i ask everybody the same just to get there it's a a fun way to get to know you better so first what is on your nightstand at home oh books lots of books yeah Yeah, i think i might have five or six fiction all of them yeah. yeah. So I will read
1: faith-based books. Um, I just finished reading one called Love Does. It was amazing. Um, I think it's by a guy named Bob Goff. But then I just have a fiction book that I'm starting right now. Yeah. Um, and then I have prof- you know, uh, professional growth ones as well um, that I have. But there's probably, I don't know, three, four, five, six um, books on my nightstand.
0: <laughs> Very cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. So what is something that people get wrong about you?
1: Uh, that I'm little. And as a result of that, I'm not fierce. Mm. Uh, you know, I, it, it really is. I, I think people um, approach me and they, they, they put their outside perceptions of me. Um, and then, um, you know, I think after I am able to engage with them, show them my energy and show them my knowledge, I think um, I hear a lot of people go, you know, she's a firecracker or, uh, you know, vendors who would say, oh my gosh, I don't want to get on a call with that girl. Um, but I think, I think that's it. You know, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but yeah. I, you know, I am really little in stature. And, um, and as a result of that, I think people just underestimate um, my passion and my ability to be fierce in the space that I
0: love. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if people are listening to this, they won't underestimate your passion any longer. <laughs> well, I hope not. Through. No, no, no. <laughs> um all right so if you could have coffee with anyone who would it be and why oh well I wouldn't have coffee because I'm a diet mountain
1: dew girl oh that's right um, you wanted so to call remember diet yeah mountain
0: dew.
1: <laughs> yeah diet mountain dew conversations right CEO in the league yeah all right if you could have diet um, mountain
0: dew with anyone who would it be and why
1: <laughs> oh man you know that's such a tough thing for me um I actually think it would be um my mom or my dad um both have passed away and a lot has happened yeah. um, since they passed away. And so I often think when I'm celebrating something, like I've been thinking about a lot with my daughter and her wedding. And I just, I just like, look, kind of find myself driving down the road saying, Man, mom, I wish you were here. You know, I wish you were here to see this happen or that happened or Sydney, you know, my youngest is down, you know, south um, playing soccer for a college and, you know, she's really, um, really knocking it out of the park. And and I think for me, not that I necessarily would get, you know, you know, some crazy wisdom, um, you know, that some people would say, you know, I'd want to sit down with someone who's very, you know, wise or knowledgeable, but for me, um, sometimes a girl just needs her mama to help her say, here's how you should handle this or do this, or this is what you can expect moving forward. So I'd love, you know, another opportunity to sit and chat with my mom or my dad. That's awesome. Chrissy. That's yeah. Beautiful. They were amazing, amazing people. Amazing. wow. Well.
0: I'm glad you had him for for the time that you did. I know. Yeah, me um, too. I remember sitting down with you not so soon after your dad passed, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's that's tough, especially when you have a pivotal moment coming with one of your kids. You want your mom there, and yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah. Um, so, tell me about a bucket list travel destination for you. Oh,
1: where do you want to go? Yeah. Funny you should ask that. So our 25th wedding anniversary is coming up next year. And so I actually put on Facebook the other day, you know, Hey, who's got some great ideas. Um, Lots of great ideas came Uh, for us. Australia is definitely on the list. Um, We'd really like, we'd really like to go to Australia, but I really also want to go to one of those little huts that they go to on like the bachelor or the bachelorette, right. Where you're like yeah. at the end of an, a, a pier or right. a dock, and there's nobody else there. And it's just you like wherever that is, Fiji, Bora Bora. Like, yeah. I, and the
0: Caribbean type thing. Yes. Right? Yeah. Those Where I can take deep.
1: my six books with me and I can sit <laughs> in the sun, um, just enjoy, um, the sound of the ocean and just, um, settle my soul. That yeah. my goal.
0: That would be great. And your active husband, he can go jet skiing, He can do whatever yeah. he wants. You're going to sit there and read and you can watch him yeah. go by. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I'm really active too. So I would probably do some of that, but I
0: really want to just chill sometimes. Know. Um, you Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because you have the books on the nightstand and so do I, but I find as I get older, I get sleepy. Now I start reading for 10 (laughs) minutes and I'm tired. I want a whole day to read. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: I I have that problem too. I mean, I might go a chapter at a time because I get really sleepy too, Um, but I also try to intentionally find time to to read also. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. All right. So the last one, what is one trait or quality that you think every leader should strive for?
1: Uh, I think every single leader should strive for, um, humility. Um, you know, I think that, and it's funny, I, um, I did, I read a book shocking that was called your one word. Um, and it was, uh, you know, you were supposed to kind of, they said, everyone tries to focus on too many things at, at whether it's new year's resolution time or whenever it is, you need to pick right. one word that you need to work on. And so I was like, okay, I struggle with pride. So I'm going to try to work on humility. Well, you're supposed to only do it for one year. It took me two. But at least, you knew I was, you know, making some effort. Um, and I think um, when I learned how to really lean in and and I would say at times master humility um, where, was when I saw more change and growth in me and in the relationships with my peers, my, you know, my leaders of the organization, people, you know, that I work with in the community community. Um, just good stuff started happening, uh, and so I think you've got to be willing to step back and say you've been placed in this position, and we should be just so honored for the role that we're in. But we're not in it to be running things and to be guiding the ship on our own. Um, we need all of the people, the part-time teller, all the way to the you know the next level of executive um,
0: to help you. And so I would say it's humility. Awesome. Well, that's a, yeah. that's a great answer, Chrissy. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us and really getting personal. Um, I appreciate that. And it's been great getting to know you better. And um, uh, you're definitely one to watch. And I'm excited that where I'm a little older than you, but it's kind of fun that (laughs) we're somewhat coming up at the same time and that you know, um, there's a lot of folks in our industry that are getting closer and closer to retirement. So I'm always excited to talk as well to somebody that is not and still has a lot of gas left in the tank and that's Mm -hmm. clearly you and um, it'll be exciting to see what's next for you. But um, thanks for being a guest on the podcast and I hope to see you soon. Thanks, Patty. I appreciate it. Well, that was another great episode of our podcast. I was really thrilled to talk to Chrissy. I definitely learned even more about her than I did before we started. I'm sure you all did too. Thanks for listening. And thanks again, Chrissy, for joining us. It was great to hear the passion that you have for the industry come through loud and clear. And also a huge thanks, Chrissy, for serving as an alternate director of our Michigan Credit Union League. I know you volunteer your time in a lot of ways, and we are really fortunate to have you on our board. So if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do so because that way you'll get notification when uh, future episodes drop and you can be sure to check those out. And then just a couple of notes on what's going on at the league and some things that you hopefully are interested in. Our nominations are open for our MCUL MCUF 2022 awards. If you haven't taken the time to nominate somebody, please check it out because first off, it's really easy to do. And it's such a great feather in the cap for somebody in our industry to get recognized for their commitment to the industry, to their chapter, to community leadership and other accomplishments that we acknowledge people for at our annual awards event. And those of course take place at our annual ac which is happening in June in Detroit next year. So head over to the website and be sure to submit your nominations there. We also have a great lineup of some virtual events coming down from our education team. I've heard a lot from credit union leaders about concerns with online gambling and how it's impacting some of your members and your accounts. So we have a webinar on online gambling coming up very soon. We have inclusive conversation coming up and this covers fostering empathy across differences in the workplace. So this is definitely kind of the I and DEI, making sure that we include everybody in the workplace. That's a four part series, please check that out. We then have our IRA Essentials Workshop and a Contact Center Conference coming up. Those are all available on our mcul.org education website. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us during the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and we will see you soon.